Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Key, routes 11 and 15, Almost Wharf Online, sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Key Hyundai, best new inventory, great pre owned inventory as well. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online, sunburymotors.com. Of course, uh, we were not here yesterday, so we want to mention Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Our play-by-play call today, it's not Garrett Cole giving up a home run, is it? No? Yeah, no, it's something much better than that. Okay. No, it depends on your perspective. Liberal <laughs> taken to the boards. Romanov had it stripped by Coleman. And now Anderson from Montreal. Goes the puck ahead. Has Caulfield cutting to the net. Caulfield off his step. And Anderson scores! Great call by Kenny Albert. By the way, he'll be going to TNT next year or Turner with uh, Eddie Olchick. You knew that at with about a minute one to go in regulation, when Shea Weber's stick hit and drew blood, and he got the double minor four-minute penalty, you knew that was the turning point of the game. It was either going to be Tampa Bay wins the Stanley Cup with a power play goal, either at the end of regulation or within the first 259 of overtime. And if they didn't, and Montreal killed it off, there was a good chance they would win it because they would have seized the momentum. Well, Montreal killed off the penalty, and about, what, 45 seconds later, Anderson scored the game winner. He just knew that that that's the whole ball game right there. So they go back to Tampa. Game 5 is tomorrow night. Of course, Kenny's dad, Marv, six decades Incredible, legendary decades. Signed off at the end of the Atlanta-Milwaukee series. Just quick question for Turner. Now, I know he was back on the, the show with Ernie, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and Shaquille O'Neal, which was, by the way, a really good segment. And that's one of the few times I watched the postgame because I wanted to see Marv interviewed. And it was terrific. But if you're Turner... When Marv was signing off to end the game, how come he wasn't on camera? Just a question. Doesn't matter. But Kenny Albert, his son, continuing that great legacy because Kenny is a Kenny Albert is terrific at any sport he 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 does. Terrific. All right. So let's. Uh, it's been a couple weeks. So let's bring back Neil Kulong, sir. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. I'm. I'm glad to hear your voice again. Not that it wasn't great last weekend as well, but I, I trust your uh, your vacation went well. Thank you. I appreciate that. It did. We had a great time. Great time. Um, 
And it's great to hear your voice again. You're the first guest we've had uh, back, so uh, that should tell you something. So. All right. First right. in line. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, can anybody make any rhyme or reason out of Devin Bush's thought process three weeks before training camp? Not, not at all. Not at all. Um, my God, I did. a lot of that came up just sort of like, it, it's it's a holiday weekend. You're out with the family. You get a Twitter alert on the phone. It's like, what is going on? I don't, you know what? I don't even want to know. Never mind. Um, it, whatever it is, I think it, it, we can probably say a combination of you're you're hoping he's healthy, he's ready to get back on the field. We don't know what his status is or what it's going to be. I don't think it's 100 percent that uh, he starts training camp on time, just given the the um, nature of the injury as well as the timing of it but probably more than anything it's july let's just hope that you know maybe everybody's a little stir crazy and the types of things that we've witnessed him um discussing or liking in social media are not things that um, are going to happen on the regular and um, he can just get out there doing the things that he does really well and he can do that uh, with two healthy legs and, and lead a defense that's still going to be among the NFL's best this year. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, is there any idea where he stands physically? I have not heard anything, and I think that is probably intentional. Um, they don't like to release information unless it's something where they're going to cut a player, <laughs> David Castro. Yeah, um, right. In Bush's case, I mean, it, the, the, the injury is the same. was in November. Yeah. Um, we know from what we've seen in the past for what the team has said in the past they consider um acl tears and subsequent surgeries to be 12 month long uh, rehabilitation processes so with that you have to think you know they expect the player i, I should add this they expect the player to be back to uh 100 of what they're going to be moving forward after 12 months of of rehab of the work that they put in that would mean if if Devin Bush is on the field in late July, early August, he's a ways off from being 100%. So it, to me, it kind of suggests that maybe he opens the year on or opens training camp on the PUP list. He's not going to be out there for much training camp as he continues to, to rehab it. But uh, we've also seen guys get back on the field and look okay, maybe not 100%, but they're putting them out there earlier um, than, than perhaps we've seen in the past. So I don't know. I'm not exactly sure uh, what Bush's status will be. I think we'll we'll find out about that, um, you know, 10 minutes after the run test at, at La Trobe, um, July 27th or whenever it is that they report. So I don't know, but that, that's to me that that's going to be one of the biggest questions early uh, for this team. And we know that he's not going to be 100%, not in the estimation of the Steelers, which comes from their, their medical staff. Uh, he's not going to be at the point where uh, he was right before he got injured. So is it a, a, a total wash for the season? Are they going to kind of shut him down early and not really give him a camp and have him, you know, um, try to, to, to continue rehabbing as best he can to be healthy come, you know, October, November? Or are they just going to throw him in the fire right away? I don't know. But um, the, the selection of Buddy Johnson perhaps had a reason. They needed to, to build some depth there because they know that they're going to be without Bush for, for the first a little while in, in training camp. I don't mean he's going to miss games, but I just looking at the timeline. I'm not sure if if he is legitimately going to be 100 percent of 
the player he is. Whether he gets out there or not, I don't think it's the same thing. We need to see him, um, you know, banging inside uh, uh, the tackles and, and chasing ball carriers down to, to see what type of player he is. And it'll be a little bit until we get to that point. But I, I don't think he's going to be 100% to, to start uh, training camp. All right. Uh, obviously, when you have a first pick, the first pick's going to garner a lot of attention. Of the draft picks that they have, that they're going to bring in, give me a couple guys you're looking at to see if they can be a part of this roster and maybe help out. You know, and it may not. It may turn out, Neil, that that they don't because just the way it is. But a couple guys you would like to keep an eye on to see if they're worth being on the team. Um, worth being on the team. Um, it, it's it's an interesting question for this year because I, I've said this on this segment before I don't think they can cut any of the rookies I think they have to keep them all right. um, at the same time though they also have an expanded practice squad again this year so um, you can get the rookies through camp and then typically there's kind of an unwritten agreement that you know the, the rookies they could cut at the end of camp you don't get to pick them up you let the, the team uh, having clear waivers and then go through. But for me, I, I really like Buddy Johnson. I, I, I like him as a college player. I think he's yep. a bit undersized. Right. Um, he's a good player. Uh, I don't think he's big enough yet to, to be effective at the NFL level. Um, Quincy Rocher, I think, is, is somebody that a, a, a lot of fans are, are really excited about. Uh, a lot of people say he was probably drafted a bit lower than, than he should have been. Um, I'm not sure I buy into that for an edge rusher. Edge rushers mm-hmm. typically don't fall in terms of value. There's a reason they didn't draft him that high. Um, that said, there are a lot of teams that view um, each round with different uh, philosophical lenses. And I, the Steelers seem to be a team that draft uh, six-round picks with the idea of them being contributors. Mm-hmm. They don't look at them as, as projects. They're not right. just throwing darts at a board. A player like that has, um, you know, he has playing potential. He isn't an athletic freak. Uh, he doesn't really have the, the, you know, kind of the, the the pizzazz that you might get from a higher pick in terms of, of his athleticism or his size. But he's a guy I think can play in terms of uh, how he battles, um, the way he uses his hands coming off the edge. I, I think he's, he's a bit more advanced. Um, and I think he's a guy that they probably – need uh, perhaps more than the other ones so I, I think uh, to me there's value in that um, being able to keep a player who can provide you some special teams depth as well as uh, your ability to, to rush off the edge I, I think that's by and large what they're going to get uh, from all of the all the players that they have this year are going to have to be able to contribute something I think a lot of them are going to be kept and, and asked to play special teams right away because I really don't think they're they're overly deep you know I they, they're kind of kind of shallow overall and certainly uh, for next year as well um, I think the one everyone's going to talk about though is probably Dan Moore right um, the, the tackle out of Texas A&M um, their tackle position is what they saw with the guard position this year I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully here it's yes not, I, I don't know. need it exactly the same but they have a Zach Banner is signed uh, to it. He, he signed a two-year deal, but it's not difficult for the team to walk away from him after this season. And uh, Chuck Sikorafor is not signed next year. Right. They drafted a guy in the fourth round who shows that he can play a bit of zone. 
Um, he's not perhaps the, the, the shining example of dominance at the tackle position that was available in this draft, but a year of, of probably swing tackle duty could lead him to a starting spot. But did they have that in mind when they drafted him in the fourth round? You know, to me, that's kind of the question. Let's see what he can do uh, behind some veterans. Let's, let's see what he can do against, you know, kind of his uh, roster peers in preseason games. Um, I'm intrigued. I, I liked what I saw him in some ways. Um, I used to get excited about the, the kind of mid to lower to not drafted players, the offensive linemen the Steelers would bring in. Um, they, they developed those guys well. Um, it's not that I'm not excited about his, his physical ability or his makeup or anything like that. Um, I think he was kind of a, a, a necessary pick for them in a lot of ways. It makes me wonder, did they really value him as a, a top 110 player, or is this a guy they, they had to draft um, it, at the spot they did to make sure that they got a tackle around the level that they wanted somebody to be? I'm, I'm curious about that with him. I, I can see that really going either way. I'm not sure how good he is overall, uh, but there are a lot of things that you can like about him from a scheme perspective, from a, a, a zone-based run game, which all indications are that they're going to run that heavy this year. Uh, looks like he can do that. So they can build him into that perhaps for a starting job next year. They might need to do that, uh, depending on whatever happens with two players that don't really have great job security uh, who are going to start this year at tackle for him. With training camp coming up in three weeks, this, uh, the, the, with the NFL Players Association, and it's filtered down to all levels of football, there's less hitting than ever uh, when it comes to the camp. What does that do to the value of preseason games? Because for some players, especially those trying to make the team, that's where the hitting will take place. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I think a lot of teams can say, um, if, if we have to go light in terms of contact during camp, which they do, they have more days off than they used to, and the, the padded practices um, aren't as plentiful as, as they have been in the past. You get out on, on you know the preseason stage, you need to be able to hit somebody, and they're going to call stuff in order to do that. If you want to find out if your offensive lineman can handle you know straight-up power run blocking, you're going to call power runs. Um, that's a lot of what we see, I think, especially the, the second half of most preseason games. Um, you, you need to get a good idea of, of how guys can handle uh, physical football at the NFL level um, under the, the stadium lights, as, as Mike Tomlin would say. Um, I think you need to do that. I think they eliminated a preseason game. So with that, I think they need to make up for it in some way. And I think those padded practices are probably going to be that level of makeup this year. Um, A a very popular one for the Steelers in training camp is backs on backers. Um, That's a fun drill to watch. Uh, It's it's definitely very exciting to report on. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know some of the biggest headlines you'll get is backs on backers. Um, Some random guy stands up a, a, um, a veteran linebacker and people go nuts. It's great. But by and large, I think they're going to need to find out if those guys can do that because really you're not blitzing uh, in preseason games. How can you ask your running backs to, to stand into a blitz if you don't have any idea what they're doing beyond uh, preseason action, which doesn't really happen. So um, for them, I think they're going to need to do those, more of those kinds of drills. Um, in, in a lot of ways, I think it just makes individual practices more physical um, than, than what we're used to seeing. And 
that can be good, it can be bad. It really kind of depends on how they handle it. But I think for, for this Steelers team, um, the defensive players are going to have to show a lot in order to make the, the roster, in order to, to show why they deserve to be there. Um, those positions are a lot more set in stone right now, I think, than what uh, what you're seeing on the offensive side of the ball. So to make it more physical, it's going to have to come within practice and probably things like backs on backers um, they'll have to do more of because they don't get that fourth preseason game mentality anymore, you know. Um, two of them might be kind of like that, but there's still a lot of snaps that they're not going to get to evaluate. So, yeah, that's that's an excellent question. I wonder um, how Tomlin would respond to that if, if he says anything to it. But maybe we'll just have to ask him. How do you feel about the about? I know the NFL is the one that shot it down, not the Steelers. But is there any difference in your mind, and does it help you in some ways that they're just going to have the training camp in Pittsburgh for the second straight year, and not in Latrobe? You know, um, <laughs> I, I'm not reporting anything. I, I just do think it's very interesting that if you were to give, if you were to have given out a trophy last season for compliance with all the COVID stuff, if the Steelers didn't win it, they were in a hot contention for it. Oh, boy, we know that, that, that would be the story here at Penn State in terms of the compliance yeah. with COVID. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it, it, I mean it, Penn State would have been an award winner. If we trust that they did all of these things well last year, what happened to them not being compliant this year? I don't know how much I buy that. And I'm just saying it because it just seems weird to me. Mike Tomlin said plainly leading into the season, whichever team handles this the best is going to be the champion. And they put a lot into handling it well. They spoke well to the message. They played several opponents who didn't handle it all that well, and they ended up suffering because of it. They handled it well. Why is it that they didn't get cleared to go to training camp? I, it, it's hard yeah. for me to think just plainly that they didn't. Maybe they don't really want to. Maybe they don't feel it's all that much of an advantage. Yep. I don't know. But to, to some degree, it, it totally depends on who you ask. But to some degree, the players are probably going to prefer to be at um, their, their headquarters um, staying in a hotel as opposed yeah. to a dorm, right. those kinds of things. I, I think reasonably it, it's fair to, to you know dare suggest that players don't really like the, the throwback mentality that the fans do when it comes to training camp. And I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm not suggesting anything either. Um, I just think that maybe this is sort of, you know, the NFL can fall on the sword and the Steelers get another year to, to maybe inch into the idea that, uh, they they don't want to do everything at Latrobe anymore. They, this is another year that um, maybe there are some things that they can still do in Latrobe, but by and large, pretty much everybody nowadays is doing stuff at their headquarters. Um, the, the Steelers got a feel for that last year. Maybe they liked it. I don't know. But, you know, it, it, as we're talking here, we've spoken a bunch in the past of how mediocre the Steelers tended to come out and start the season, right? right? Right. That, that's been a talking point for a decade with Mike Tomlin. They, they started off pretty well last year. Yeah. We weren't really complaining when they were no. four, five, six, seven, eight, and oh. Um, who's to say that they don't feel there was something to what they did and, and what their training camp schedule was really like? Um, I don't know. I guarantee you we won't hear that from, from the Steelers organization. Right. But let's, let's see what it looks like come week one, week two, week three this year. Let's, let's see what it looks like. My friend, great to hear you back on the other end. 
Definitely. Glad you're back. And I'm um, looking forward to, to talking real football here soon. Just a couple weeks. Yep, a couple weeks. Thanks so much, Neil. Thanks, guys. Neil Kulong. Well, the NBA TV show The Jump is not airing today. She done. Mm. Wow. That is... Uh, We'll see. It was, you know, it, it, it's one thing to have it canceled on a Tuesday. I'm talking about for the day. Canceled, canceling the Tuesday show on a day where there's no game. It's another thing to cancel it on the opening day of the finals. That's another category of yikes. According to our buddy Andrew Marshan, apparently the plan is to bring it back tomorrow, but I quote tweeted it and I just said, we'll see. I don't see that happening. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It, uh, who knows? I, I can't. It's a lot of internal politics there uh, going on. But uh, uh, here's the other element of the story. I didn't. I know we have to take a break. But back in May, the entire group of the pregame what is it called NBA countdown? Correct. Indicated they would boycott if Rachel Nichols was there. And also, too, I guess they have all the different reporters and, side, and whoever's on the sideline for that night. Yeah, right. With go into yeah. NBA count, uh, call into NBA countdown, or they do live hits from NBA, for, for NBA countdown. Right. And Maria right. Taylor apparently refused to talk to Rachel. So then ESPN said, "Well, we're going to can the live reports from everybody." But then there was backlash to that, and then ESPN high ups finally gave in to okay, we'll bring everybody back, just not Rachel. <laughs> to be honest with you, like it's important for Rachel Nichols, it's important for Maria Taylor, but the game's going to go on tonight. And guess what? In terms of the broadcast part of it, the primetime players are Mike Breen, Mark Jackson, and Jeff Van Gundy, right? I mean, others will be a part of it, but they. It's. No offense. It's. I mean, it's a big deal to the people involved, huge. But to the viewer? I don't know. It's definitely taken away from the game, that's for sure. And if I'm ESPN, I hope to God that Giannis plays tonight. Because if he doesn't, then it really won't be about the game. No, but I, just, but I think, see, this is where Breen, Jackson, and Van Gundy will be great, Matt. They'll just do the game. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't, I mean, except when they go to the sidelines, 
you know, during those breaks, they're not going to make a mention at all that Rachel Nichols isn't there. I mean, on NBA Countdown, people will focus on how Maria Taylor is. But once they start with Mike and Mark and Jeff, I don't think it's going to – you won't even know it happened. How about that? When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, boats, motorcycles. They got you completely covered across the board, and they'll make sure you get the best price. It is all at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Awesome new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. So you have game one of the NBA Finals, which is for ABC a problem because there are very few compelling storylines. Yes, Chris Paul is a fun storyline, but Chris Paul is not. Uh, now he does State Farm commercials, right? And you're like, oh, don't laugh, and don't laugh when I say that. In other words, um, that's what allows him to be closer to a transcendent figure. Okay, that's why I mentioned that. But there are no transcendent, you know, him, Giannis. I mean, Booker's a. Mar- I mean, it's not like there aren't marvelous players in the series. Booker is a marvelous player. Aiton has really come into his own, and I think maybe helping the cause for the big man being back in the NBA. Uh, he doesn't stray that far from the bucket, yet he's ultra-productive. He had five double-doubles in the regular season. He's had a dozen in the postseason. Uh, you know, Crowder's a good good player in his, in his role. Uh, you know, Middleton is a fabulous player. Player, he's not he's not a one A or a one B. He's probably a two, but he's still a heck of a talent. Lopez is a really good player, but you know, but there's no train. And Giannis, of course, is a name, 
and a two-time MVP, but you don't have the transcendent talents in this series. You just don't. So now the biggest story of the day is not whether that Giannis is now questionable for the game. That's not the biggest story of the day. The biggest story of the day is that the sideline reporter isn't going to be there. Malika Andrews, by the way, who was the sideline reporter in the bubble at the age of 25 last year, did a very nice job, will be the one to be the sideline reporter for the series. And that's the big story of the day going into the finals. Not the finals. But who the sideline reporter is. And the rift between the sideline reporter and the studio host. Do I have everything right here? I mean, I just want to make sure I got it right. Yeah, no, it sounds about right. However, now this is just me, and you know me. I'm a national media NBA coverage hater. You know that. But I think this is refreshing for the NBA and maybe a little bit of a lesson learned here to appreciate what else they have besides the typical teams and stars. Like, this is going to be – I think this is going to be a good series. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's just not. It'll be fine. To be honest with you, I watched some of the Suns Clippers thing. The fourth quarter of game four is some of the worst basketball I've ever seen at the NBA level. At any level. Did you watch the fourth quarter of game four? I did not, but I I know it what was, happened. Yeah, it was awful. He just sat there and went. Uh, my son Dan and I are sitting there watching this, and we're looking so like, how bad is this? No concept of team basketball. Firing up shots all over the place, turning the ball over. No sense of what to, you're looking at. like. This this is the these are two of the last four teams. Take my word, it wasn't as if awesome defense was taking place. Where you're like, wow, they have really tightened down on D. They just were firing up shots. Then you look at the uh, the Hawks and the and the uh, Bucks. That, all they long droughts. Is, I, I don't know. So you're saying it has a chance to be a good series? I'm looking at you saying the league's got a problem. Based on what's left, how about that? I agree that there's a problem. This hasn't been the most been the most well played playoffs. Not even close. But just in terms of like having different teams in different markets and then the usual thing to give it a different vibe. I think that's what is refreshing for this. 
Oh, that but it's hard. But, it, but it's hard to ignore how bad some some of the bad basketball we've seen. No question. That part's re- that part's refreshing. But again, you have to have the ability to draw as many of the casual fans in as possible. This doesn't do it. Which has been my point about the NBA for years. They rode high. They rode high. They rode high. But they always rode high on. We got Bird and Magic, who are probably the, the to be honest with you, Bird and Magic are the two most important figures in the history of the NBA. Right, and Jordan. You can argue Jordan is the best player, but the two most important figures in the NBA were Bird and Magic. They brought the NBA back when they came in. Interest in the league started. They formed the foundation of the house that's been built. Then Jordan added several floors to it. By the way, <laughs> and Kobe and Shaq, and obviously LeBron. You know. This series doesn't have it. Now, that's not to take away from the two teams. Look, they earned their spots. They earned it. But it has not been pretty basketball to get to this point. It's interesting, though, the intersection between the two. These two franchises came in together. And as expected when they came in together, they each finished last their respective conferences. Okay? So that meant when they went to the 1969 NBA draft, because they were each the worst as expected, a coin flip was used to determine who would get the first overall pick. The Bucks won the coin flip and selected Ferdinand Lewis Alcindor Jr., a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. In that NBA draft, you know how many Hall of Famers there were? Two. Kareem and the ninth overall pick. A thoroughly marvelous player that I I just enjoyed watching. JoJo White of Kansas with the Celtics, the 1976 Finals MVP. When they beat, by the way, the Phoenix Suns. The Suns had the second overall pick, so they don't get Kareem. They ended up with Neil Walk. Neil Walk was the center out of the University of Florida, who in his senior year averaged 26.5 points and 19.5 rebounds a game. But Neil Walk was not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was with the Suns for like five years. Then he bounced around. I think he was with the Knicks for a little bit. Eventually, when he got out of the game, they found a benign tumor wrapped around his spine. And eventually, Neil Walk was in a wheelchair. But then he started playing wheelchair basketball. And... really brought great awareness to wheelchair basketball, people with disabilities, overcoming them, was honored by the president. He was the second overall pick of the draft. Neil Walk passed away six years ago. Now, I'm sure ESPN will do something. I mean, they have to. On that draft 52 years ago, 
and hopefully they'll do a good job, and I'm sure they will, of telling the Neil Walk story well. Kareem is Kareem. I'm sorry, but Kareem won a Power Memorial High School, won three national championships at UCLA. The Bucks won the title in 71. And then, of course, the championships with the Lakers, what, five of them? Kareem, it's it's really weird. Kareem deserves so much more love as one of the greatest players in the history of the game. It's you know, remarkable. But except for a coin flip, he could have been a Phoenix Sun. Sure, ESPN will tell that story, in part to distract from their own stories. <laughs> Get the lingerie problems. on the deck. Call the janitor. They got problems, man. Oh, yeah. Normally, at least when these things happen, it starts from the top down, and that's after everything that I've read surrounding this, it is absolutely the case. There is so much wrong from so many different people from so many different angles. That is one toxic place, man. Yeah, I know. I know it is. And... But again, when the game will be center stage, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, and then we'll see if Giannis plays tonight or not. And Giannis has been upgraded to at least uh, questionable. But And by the way, we do have two local connections, two Bucknell grads, Charles Lee, Bucks assistant coach, Suns video coordinator Ryan Frazier. So somebody Wonderful. from Bucknell is going to get a ring. Good. Love it. It's great. I mean, this is the last thing ESPN wants or ABC wants. If the focus is on their personnel and not on the game. What time does this thing start tonight, anyway? Nine is when is tip-off, so I'm guessing coverage begins at 8.30. Well, this, game, this series was actually supposed to start Thursday. And they moved it up. It was supposed to start Thursday, and they moved it up. And it also allows them to be going to go tonight, Thursday, or no, tonight, Friday, then Sunday, and then they'll come back till Wednesday. They're going to avoid the All-Star game. Correct. There, there was an article here on All-Star game snubs. Do you think I read it? No. Exactly. <laughs> You know what is amazing, though? My biggest takeaway, there's an Oriole and a Pirate named to the All-Star roster. <laughs> well, they have to be. It's a rule. Oh, that's true. I, f- I forgot about the rule. Yeah. Yeah, it's a rule. Major League Baseball has a rule that every team is representing the All-Star game. They do that for TV. Now Baltimore fans will tune in to see their All-Star. Pittsburgh fans will tune in to see their All-Star. I don't even know who they were. Adam Frazier for 
the Pirates, who's actually is deserving. He's kept the Pirates somewhat afloat. No, he'll be a Yankee by the end of the month. <laughs> we'll see. And um, Mullins was the Oriole. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's a rule you're supposed to. You know, that's what they do with the All Star game. They always have. That's right. I forgot. I mean, are you? I mean, I might watch the first two innings. Maybe. Again, it's just it's not like the old days. You know, I talked about the old days before, but well, where you didn't see guys except for the Saturday game of the week, or until postseason. So now I'm, you know, you tune in like, hey, that's Hank Aaron in left, that's Willie Mays in center, that's Clemente in right, Pete Rose is second base, you know, right? Now you see everybody all the time, you're like, yeah, 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 whatever, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, my trout's really great. I see him all the time. <laughs> all right, we'll take a break. We'll wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. The first thing they teach you in journalism school is don't be the story, and I don't plan to break that rule today or distract from a fantastic finals. But I also don't want to let this moment pass without saying how much I respect, how much I value our colleagues here at ESPN, how deeply, deeply sorry I am for disappointing those I hurt, particularly Maria Taylor, and how grateful I am to be part of this outstanding team. I thought that went well. And then they had... Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson comment afterwards. What are they doing? <laughs> to their credit, they handled it well, but still. <laughs> the wheels just keep on turning. Well, part of the deal is Maria Taylor won't talk to her. Yes, that's exactly right. Well, Matt will talk to me. I caught a break. The suit won't. <laughs> Are we still being paid in suit coin? Um, I'll have to check on that. Good question. I mean, I know Roger wants to pay us in actual dollars, but somebody proposed something called suit coin. <laughs> 